Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Beyond the Unknown. I'm your host, Jolie. And I'm Quinn. And today, we deep dive into a chilling murder of Cassie Jo Stoddard. This is a story that will leave you with questions about the unimaginable depths of human darkness. It all started with Cassie Jo Stoddard, a vivacious 16-year-old girl who lived in Pocatello, Idaho. She was known for her infectious laughter, her love for life, and her dreams of a bright future. Cassie was well-liked by many at her school, but on one fateful night in September of 2006, her life was tragically cut short. Cassie's aunt and uncle were going away for a weekend and asked Cassie to watch the house and take care of the three cats and two dogs. <laughs> I know, that's a lot of pets. <laughs> yeah. And before I dive any deeper, this house is often referred to as the Whispering Cliffs house for no Ooh. known reason. Whispering Cliffs. And I know, <laughs> I know you might be picturing some like gigantic mansion, but it's actually just like a super normal pretty dated home now so i have no idea why it has this term but if you look up whispering cliffs home like ida pocatello idaho you find it that like it is still so shows random. up with that on realtor.com <laughs> let's name our homes but throughout the story i'll be referring to cassie's aunt and uncle's house as the whispering cliffs home or residence okay with promise of some cash temporary pets and a secluded home to herself for a weekend cassie jumped at the offer Little did she know, house-sitting might not be all it's cracked up to be. So, on the night of September 22, 2006, Cassie's house-sitting began. She invited her boyfriend, Matt Beckham, over to keep her company, and later that evening, two of her classmates, Tori Adamsick and Brian Draper, came to visit as they heard Cassie was throwing a party. Sweet. <laughs> when they arrived, they realized it was just Matt and Cassie. <laughs> No party was happening, and nor would it be. <laughs> the four of them. What a psych. <laughs> I know. I can get that, though. You're, like, house-sitting, and maybe you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm I'm in a secluded area yeah. at the house totally by myself. And then you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do it. No, it's a lot of work cleaning up. Yeah, and in someone else's home, too. It's not like your parents. Oh, man. I'll never forget one of the house parties from high school. If... Who, who threw this party is listening, you'll know. The house, the doors were ripped off the house. There was Sharpies on the wall. So I would not be throwing a house party in high school, especially a house that wasn't my own. <laughs> oh my God. That's <laughs> well, insane. <laughs> Cassie didn't go that route. And Good she for decided that, <laughs> that they all just wanted to stay in and hang out and watch a movie. But before that, Cassie gave everyone a tour of the home she was sitting, taking the group to every room in the house, including the basement. I remember doing this as I babysat. Like, Welcome to my fake home for <laughs> the weekend. MTV Cribs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, MTV, this is my home. Um, I don't know where anything is. <laughs> Check out my fridge. It's full of leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Once the tour was over, the group went to watch Kill Bill Volume 2 in the upstairs living room. That's very specific. <laughs> I know. I wanted to say Kill Bill, but I thought yeah. maybe I should call out Volume 2. I've never seen Volume 2, so I have no idea. Mm. Me either. As the evening wore on, Cassie's friends began to act strangely, discussing violent details from horror movies and making unsettling comments. And while this was unusual for Cassie, this was quite the norm for Brian and Tori because they were horror film fanatics. These two were so interested in horror movies that they even started to make their own. Oh? But we'll go into that later. Okay. 
At around 9.30 p.m., before the Kill Bill movie ended, Cassie's classmates, Tori and Brian, decided that Kill Bill was a little too boring for them, so Mm -hmm. they left to go watch a different horror movie at the local theater, leaving Cassie and Matt alone at the Whispering Cliffs residence. I can't take the name of that house seriously. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Carry on. Not long after the pair left, Cassie and Matt started to hear some loud banging coming from the basement. At first, they thought it was the plumbing or other kind of old house noises, but when it kept repeating itself, it really spooked them. A little after the banging stopped, the power to the house went out. Cassie and Matt stayed upstairs in the living room trying to decide what to do. Do they venture down to the basement and check the breakers or stay upstairs and hope it comes on? Because, like, who knows? Maybe it's just a random neighborhood power outage. And also, never, never go to the basement. If there's, like, loud noises, just don't. Nope, there's noises, there's no power, you get knives, guns, bombs, whatever you, get you have. Outside. Yeah. I, well, I don't know, outside would be creepy too, I don't know True. if I would. But when the dog started to stare and snarl at the basement door, they thought maybe something more sinister was happening. The terrified couple waited it out, and after a few minutes, the power returned and a rush of relief came over them. Yep. Like any of us, this made Matt and Cassie a little on edge, so they decided to call his mom to see if she could stay the night with Cassie at her aunt and uncle's house. Matt's mom said no, as most (laughs) mothers of a 16-year-old boy would, and instead offered for Cassie to stay at their place, and she could drive her back to the home in the morning. But because Cassie was watching five animals and the house, she felt like she was responsible and couldn't leave them that night, so she decided to stay alone. So she's actually very responsible, like good for Cassie, because I probably would have bailed because I would have been scared. Like I would have felt bad for the animals, but I would have been very scared. I would have been like, they're fine alone overnight. Like here's water, here's food. You're good. I'll see you in the morning. See ya. I'm pretty selfish. (laughs) You're not, but okay. (laughs) Around 10.30 p.m., Matt's mom came to pick him up from the Whispering Cliffs house, leaving Cassie Joe alone for the night. Or so she thought. On his drive home, Matt called Tori and let him know that he left for the night and wanted to meet up the next day. Tori, who was whispering during the conversation because he was at the movies, made plan with Matt for the following day and then hung up. The next day, Matt tries to contact Cassie multiple times with no luck. Something didn't sit right with him, and he decided to wait it out in case he was overreacting. Plus, he had plans to hang out with Tori, so he would try again later on. But later that night, he still wasn't able to get a hold of her, so he decided to tell Cassie's family. They held off, and then the following day, on September 24th, when Cassie's aunt and uncle returned home, they found her lifeless body covered in stab wounds, laying in a pool of her own blood. Oh my gosh. The Idaho State Police Captain John Gansk said Cassie had been stabbed numerous times and looked like she had been put through an extreme fight. From the autopsy report, she had actually been stabbed 30 times in the torso and neck area. Oh my goodness, that's awful. Did they say Mm -hmm. at all, like, if they thought, I I know this is hard to say, but, like, did she actually have to suffer through all of those, or would she have died earlier? I think that she had um, probably went quickly. I couldn't find anything to say, like, how long it would have taken, but they did, like, nick her artery and stuff through her heart. Although they knew Cassie had been murdered, investigators had no clue who did it and why. The house had no signs of forced entry and no weapons were found on the scene. 
So we have four initial suspects. Okay. Matt, Cassie's boyfriend, Brian and Tori, the two friends that visited earlier in the night, and the last suspect was Cassie's mom's boyfriend. What? Yeah. The reason why Cassie's mom's boyfriend was suspected was because his fingerprints were found on the breaker box. Oh, why would they be there, though? Apparently, he was doing some work on the house or, like, the electric box, so that's why. Oh, and he okay. actually had an alibi for that night, so he was quickly ruled out. But okay. isn't it weird, like, the specific thing that kind of happened that night? Yeah, like, a little bit coincidental, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So with the mom's boyfriend ruled out, that left Cassie's boyfriend, Matt, and the two friends. Matt was narrowed in on because obviously he's her boyfriend and he was the last known person to see Cassie alive because his mom picked him up at 10.30. And when police broke the news that Cassie was found murdered, apparently he showed little emotion, which kind of set investigators off. So they decided to polygraph him, but he passed with flying colors. Not saying like polygraphs like be all end all of scientific ruling at all. Not at all. But I just feel like that whole like showing little emotion when you get told bad news versus like they showed too much emotion they were acting i feel like there's nothing you can do right when there's a murder you'll be scrutinized either way shed two tears anything more and it's acting anything less (laughs) in your psycho yeah basically (laughs) i think i'd be overwhelmed i don't know but yeah i would just i wouldn't be able to take in that information okay but he passed the polygraph and i guess those are 10 out of 10 reliable so here we go (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i guess like if he if he didn't he would have been looking guilty but it's like this is kind of a bunk science anyways okay yeah so this left brian and tori and the last time those two saw cassie was around 9 30 p.m before they went to the theaters what movie did they go see i'm gonna go ahead and guess something scary that's the interesting part when questioned by investigators they couldn't recall what the movie was about what weird right yeah. How do you just go to the movies and completely forget what it was about? <laughs> like, I don't, unless I go so much, but I don't generally forget when I spend all that money and time going to a movie. Exactly. And you're like, okay, this has got to be better than the thing I'm watching. Like, yeah, it must have some element that you're going to remember. But no, they just kind of knew the title and could barely describe the movie. <laughs> and that's because they didn't go to the movies. As you could probably already guess. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Instead, when the two boys left the Whispering Hills home, they headed back to their car and grabbed supplies, like creepy white painted masks that look like porcelain dolls with bloody tears. Yuck. Gloves and dark clothing. Sounds like a horror movie, right? Yep. What Cassie and Matt didn't realize was that during the tour of the basement, Tori and Brian, I don't know who, unlock the basement door so they could gain entry to the house later that night. So that's why investigators didn't find any sign of forced entry. So it's like they've been plotting it. Like, mm-hmm. for a while, yeah. maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you could say that. The pair then quietly entered the basement while Cassie and Matt were still upstairs in the living room watching Kill Bill. Tori and Brian made some loud bangs in the basement which were the loud noises heard by Matt and Cassie, in an attempt to lure the two to the basement so they could apparently scare them. (laughs) Okay. Just a light scare. I love a good prank, but that's a bit too far. uh, Yeah, if you ever do that to me, we're done. We're not sisters. I'm expecting to get murdered. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) Yeah. 
And when that failed and Cassie and Matt didn't go to the basement, they decided to flip the breakers, turning the power off in the home for a few minutes. And then they actually did it again after Matt had left as well. Allegedly, Brian, one of the friends, was under the impression that this was just a prank just to scare the two, but that it quickly escalated when Tori stabbed Cassie. Oh my god! Yeah. But film evidence recovered later would actually prove otherwise. Film evidence? Like a security camera or something? Mm. So what I didn't mention earlier is that the two boys had actually been making homemade video footage. Remember when I said they're super into horror movies and they're making their own? Oh my god. So they filmed the entire thing? They actually just filmed like their premeditated plans and like all of the stuff leading up to it and the reactions oh. afterwards, but they didn't film the thing itself, which I found unusual because they were yeah. wanting to film everything. That is odd. So they obviously planned it for like a while. Mm-hmm. They've been filming for at least a few days before the murders and they were filming things like them in their school saying hi to Cassie at her lockers, driving around town, talking about famous killers and like what they wanted to do and how badly they wanted to kill people. And also them (gasps) at their school writing down and making like a death list. You say death list? Yeah. So these two were writing down lists of their classmates that they wanted to kill in order, I guess. (laughs) And so did they film themselves plotting this? They filmed the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Stupid like, idiots. Like, they're so <laughs> dumb to, to do this. So dumb. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it's actually insane because you can find this video footage online on YouTube. And I'm going to play some Ooh. clips of it for you in a bit. Okay. Um, but aside from this being filmed and how incredibly stupid these two are... There's something else that's super fucked up. <laughs> Remember how I mentioned that Tori hung out with Matt the next day? Yeah. He, he knew that Cassie was dead in the house because he <gasps> took part in her murder and hung out with Matt, right. the boyfriend who was trying to contact her and call her. So he's probably there while Matt's being like, can't get a hold of <sighs> Cassie. And he might even be like, don't worry, dude. But he knows what? and he did it. What a great friend. Like, great day. Yeah. Top notch mm-hmm wow pretty messed Fucked up. up yeah so brian one of the two killers was the one that led police to a pit where they actually disposed of the clothes masks hunting knives and videotape <gasps> which they attempted to burn that night before heading home so this is all Idiots. of the evidence and they tried to burn it but i guess it didn't burn um successfully so they were able to recover <laughs> almost everything intact like it ha- it's a little bit burned but <laughs> even the film stupid. yeah even the film they can fully replay it which is why it's on youtube now <laughs> okay that's kind of creepy but yeah we should check it out yeah so i'm going to play some clips for you now from youtube okay um it's kind of all in weird order. So I'm going to play one where one of them's admitting that they killed Cassie and they sound like excited. Like, I don't think they uh. understand what truly happened because, yeah, it's so messed up. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body just disappear. Dude, I just killed Cassie. 
Did you hear that? Yes, it's honestly almost like they just did something super exciting together. Like they just went to like, I don't know, did an awesome activity and they're like, oh my gosh, look what we just did. Like that's messed up. It's insane. It's like, and then at the end, he's like, we have to get our act together. Like, yeah. Like what the hell guys? Make sure your friends aren't like these dum-dums. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> I don't know. How do you know? <laughs> Please don't kill me, Joe. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> oh my God. I would never. What's even crazier is that Cassie wasn't their first intended victim. The night before they killed Cassie, the two had filmed themselves driving around town trying to find a friend that was home alone that they could kill, but they were. Um, unsuccessful because everyone they went to go see either had friends over or when they were alone their parents ended up coming home um, you know and kind of disrupted their plans to kill people thank god yeah in the video because this is all fucking recorded <laughs> i can't get over that one goddamn clip <laughs> tori kept saying how he really wanted to kill someone that night but it just never worked out <laughs> Just so plans didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, tonight's the night, I'm going to do it. Um, and then he didn't. So Cassie ended up being the unfortunate victim the following day. Aww, so she was just the unlucky one that was actually home alone long enough. And unfortunately gave them a tour of the whole dang house. Yep, so they could get in. In the end, both teenagers were convicted for of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. The chilling motive behind the crime? They wanted to become famous by committing a murder that would rival those in horror movies, like the Scream franchise. Oh. That's your favorite one. I know. It is my favorite creepy franchise, but did this come before the Scream franchise or after? I think after. Oh, that's extra creepy because I've always kind of had that fear that someone would see a scary movie and try to recreate it. Because for some reason, I thought this predated it so that's even yuckier me too i looked it up and it actually came out after because i thought that the scream movies were inspired by this yeah like the first one but it wasn't oh so they just did it themselves oh my gosh that's so freaking scary you just never know Mm -hmm. what's going on in people's heads the murder of cassie joe stoddard serves as a haunting reminder of the capacity for darkness that can lurk within seemingly ordinary individuals even those you might consider as friends. It's a tragedy that forever changed the lives of her family and friends and left a scar on the community of Pocatello, Idaho. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Beyond the Unknown. If you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at moody.mediaprod at gmail.com. You can reach out on our website, and who knows, your story might be featured in our next episode. All of our sources for this episode can be found on our website, beyondtheunknownpod.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Until next time, listeners, stay curious and remember that the unknown is always just beyond the shadows. Bye! Bye.